Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, everybody. It has been a minute since my last podcast episode, so I owe you all an apology. It just seemed like there was one thing after the next, like difficulty after difficulty, and I'm just exhausted and I'm tired being a single mom and running this business and all of the things that life just decides to throw on you. Yeah, it's been a lot, and so I've been a little distracted And I've actually been trying to think of different episodes that I would like to share with you because so many different things have happened in my life since my last episode. And I I don't know a good place to start. And there's a lot of heavy things that have happened. So get ready, you guys, because now that I'm back and I've got all these things to share with you, you'll be having a lot more episodes from me. Anyway, moving on. So one of the reasons that I decided to come back and do an episode right now is that one of my dear friends, he decided to end his life way too early. He was younger than me. He had his whole life ahead of him. And my heart is just shattered thinking about how alone he felt and how he must have felt that ending his life was the only option for him and it was the best way to deal with some of the things going on in his life. I don't know what he was dealing with, but it just breaks my heart knowing that people feel that way and they feel like they can't reach out for help. I want to use this platform to help change the negative stigma behind mental health. I want to help people to know that they're not alone in the feelings that they have. I want them to know that there is help for them. I want things to change. Too many people have their lives cut short because they feel hopeless. I don't want to share my story like in hopes of getting attention. That's not what I want at all. I really don't like the attention. I don't like people knowing about what's going on in my life. I just would rather stay in the background and not have people talk about me or think about me. (laughs) Like, just let me live my life. But I have known for a long time that I've gone through the things that I've gone through to try and help people. So I've got to be brave and I've got to do it. I don't want anyone to feel alone like I did. Honestly, if I hadn't been encouraged by my sweet friend, Vicky to go to the mental health hospital when I did, I would not be here. If she hadn't told me that she went to the hospital herself and told me about how much it helped her and how much it changed her life, things would look very different for me and for my family. Getting help in that way, going to a hospital, never would have crossed my mind or even crossed my parents' minds if it wasn't for Vicky using her voice and sharing her experiences with me. So that's what I want to be for people. I want people to know that asking for help does not make you weak. In fact, it makes you strong. It makes you stronger than a lot of people who struggle with mental health. Asking for help is terrifying and admitting that you need help is even scarier. So help me spread the word. Help me reach as many people as possible. I know I'm not a professional. (laughs) 
but share my podcast with your loved ones and share it with your friends and family. Help me reach as many people as possible so that we can do our part in saving lives. So this episode, I want to talk about my stay in the mental health hospital. And I've said it a thousand times and I'm going to continue saying it until the day that I die. Asking for real professional help was the best thing that I have ever done. It might have been one of the hardest things that I have ever done, but holy shit, was it worth it. Excuse my French. It was worth it. (laughs) My parents took me to the hospital in St. George, Utah, because it was the one that my doctor had recommended that we go to. From my home, it was about a four and a half hour drive. When we got there, we went to the access center where they do an initial assessment. A nurse sat with me and my parents and asked some pretty basic questions to determine if the hospital was right for me or if a different form of treatment, say like therapy, was better for my situation. And the questions that they asked me at that initial assessment were pretty basic and I was not very honest with them because I was sitting with my parents and I was embarrassed. Like I didn't want my parents to know about me trying to kill myself and about the things that I was feeling and thinking and doing because I did not want to add to their hurt. They were already going through enough. I just didn't want to add to it. So I wasn't very truthful at that initial assessment. So I'm very glad that they took me back So they do their initial assessment and then they take you back and do a more in-depth assessment. And the in-depth assessment is done away from parents and people. They take your phone. It's like they're getting ready to admit you without actually having admitted you. We talked with a psychiatrist about medications, talked with a therapist and a general doctor They did all sorts of lab work and took my blood. I had to pee in a cup, the whole nine yards, so that they could determine where I was actually at. And that was terrifying. I was in this room alone and it was the middle of the pandemic. I guess the beginning middle of the pandemic since we're still in it. So they couldn't do anything with me until they did a COVID test and got the results back. So I was away from my parents for a long time and I was really freaking out because they were just in the waiting room waiting for me and we were so far away from home I didn't want them to have to just sit there waiting for me if I was going to be admitted to the hospital so I was having a lot of anxiety sitting there waiting. After the assessment and the second assessment they decided that an inpatient program was the best form of treatment for me and I actually took the last bed in a mental health facility in the state of Utah. The hospital in St. George didn't have any open beds for me and they didn't, there was no open beds in a mental health facility in all of Southern Utah. And so they moved their search up to Utah County and there was no open beds in Utah County, none in Salt Lake. And they finally found the last open bed in Ogden at the McCabe Hospital. And they initially wanted to lifelight me there. And I'm like, yo, I don't have insurance and I definitely don't have the money to pay for lifelight. So can my parents just take me? And they wouldn't let that happen because at that point they already had determined that I was a high risk patient. So we compromised a little bit and they took me by ambulance up to Ogden. And that's a six hour drive from St. George. So by the time we got to the McKay hospital, it was 5.30 in the morning and I was exhausted physically and emotionally. 
All I wanted to do was just lay down and sleep. We had to do more intake assessments and all the paperwork of actually being admitted to the hospital before I could take a nap. Everybody was so kind to me at both of the hospitals, though. I just have to throw this out there. I never once felt judged, and I was so, so, so grateful for that because I was in such a fragile state at that point that if I would have felt judged or if they had treated me like I was being dramatic, then yeah, it just would have not been good for me mentally. So after we did all of the admittance paperwork and the assessments, I finally was able to get some sleep. They gave me some medications to help take away some of my anxiety and help me to sleep throughout the day. And so that's what I did the first whole day. But in the days following, each patient would meet with the psychiatrist first thing in the morning. And then we would have our individual check-ins with the team of doctors, nurses, and therapists. They all really did seem genuinely concerned about me and helping me to get better. I was never intimidated and I felt like I could ask any questions and vocalize any concerns that I had. After everyone had done their check-ins, we would have a group session where we would learn about different aspects of mental health, ways to cope, triggers, all sorts of different things. Following the first group session, we would meet with our individual therapists, social workers, nurses, and have some free time. And there was always another group session at the end of the day too. We had access to public phones to make and receive phone calls because they had taken our phones when we were admitted, along with shoelaces, bra wires, hoodie strings, belts, like basically everything. I'm really glad that we had access to phones because I was able to call my mom and see if she could have my aunt who lives in Tooele bring me some clothes to wear and some sports bras because I didn't have anything. I had a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, everything else they'd taken. I was in the hospital for a week. I was there over Labor Day, one of the busiest holidays of the year for my family's businesses. I missed my kids and I felt so guilty for not being there with them and not being there at work, but I was so happy, eventually, <laughs> I was so happy to be there and feel the improvements in myself daily. And while I was there, they diagnosed me with bipolar 2 and PTSD. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about either of those things because honestly, I could do a whole 15 episodes about both of those. I never would have been able to be treated for those things if I hadn't have been in the hospital and had the intense care that I had. They helped me adjust my medications and put me on new ones to help me even more. I learned so much about myself and how to take care of my mental health while I was there. It was a humbling experience, honestly. Before I was admitted, I was nervous that I would be surrounded by people who were, quote, crazy and scary. I was embarrassed to be going to a mental health hospital. I didn't belong with the people who I thought I would meet there. But guess what? I met people just like me. There was a man whose wife had just died and he was having a hard time coping with the grief. Divorcees who had PTSD. Homeless kids who were detoxing so that they could go into rehabs. People who I loved and connected with and who I could see myself being friends with. People who were normal, just like you and me. Media, movies, all of it portrays something that's so not what reality is. And it's really sad to me and it's really frustrating because what people think of when they think of a mental health hospital is what they see in the movies and it's not great. And so people are stopped from getting the help that they need because of 
some stupid scene from a movie or reference in a book that's not even reality. The stigma needs to change. People need to feel safe and not judged when they need to get help. Help that could literally save their lives like it did mine. Being on medications, going to therapy, being admitted to the hospital, none of those things make you weak or less of a person. If someone is asking for help, they should never be made to feel like those things are not options. Encourage people around you to get help from medical professionals instead of laughing at them or judging them. Maybe if Johnny felt like he could talk about what he was feeling without being judged or feeling like he needed to man up, maybe he would still be here. Maybe if Calvin knew that there was other options and people who could help him, he would still be here too. Don't brush people off. And remember the people who act happy all the time, they aren't immune from it. People hide behind their smiles. They don't want to be any more of a burden than they feel like they already are and so they pretend like everything is okay. Speaking from experience here, that's exactly what I did. Just be kind. Even if you don't understand what they're going through or how they feel, be kind. You don't understand mental health and the different ways that your brain works and your brain plays tricks on you until you've been in that situation. I'm here to tell you if you have thoughts that don't make sense but in your mind they're a reality, I've been there and I know what that feels like and I know how scary it is. I remember vividly sitting on my couch and staring out my window and I felt so weird and I felt so not okay. I just remember thinking, I need help. There's something wrong. It was a scary moment realizing that something wasn't right in my brain and I couldn't help it. There was nothing that I could do or say to change my brain and the way that thoughts were coming into my head. But scary, but I'm here for you. I encourage everybody to find a strong support system and I encourage people who do not think that they need a support system, everybody does, but if you think that you don't need a support system, be a good support system. Encourage people to get the help that they need. Thank you for listening to my super late part two of this episode about my stay in the mental hospital. I just want everybody to know I am an open book. If you have any questions, I would love to answer them for you. If you have any specific questions about what kind of things I learned in the hospital, what kind of questions they ask at intake, any of that stuff, I would love to answer them for you. So message me on any of my social platforms, text me if you've got my phone number. I am here to help and nothing is out of bounds, so ask away. Thank you guys for listening and being patient with me and waiting for me to get these next few episodes up and going again. Just as a little disclaimer, over the next few episodes I will be talking about some pretty adult themes such as rape. I just want to put a pre-trigger warning trigger warning on the upcoming episodes that they're going to be a little bit more intense and so you're not going to want to listen to them with children around. Just be mindful. I love you all. Thank you for listening. And if you or someone you love is in need of suicide prevention, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Or you can also text TALK 
7-4-1. Again, that's talk to 741-741. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.